Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we are, Danny Clinch. All right. How you doing? Well, uh, we have about 35,000 people that are about to walk out into the beach in Asbury Park here. 35,000 people to yeah. see, uh, see here now. I have some friends that see here now. And you start this festival? Uh, myself and Tim Donnelly brainstormed on it. Yeah. We came up with like a little one sheet as they say, and started showing it around to people. He came up with the idea of, of See Here Now title um, to, to do these little surf art music festivals. Uh-huh. So we had like took over a little building in one of the empty spots on the boardwalk where there are no empty spots now right? and started to create these little art gallery shows yeah. uh, with musicians, surfers, surfers making art, musicians making art and all that. And um, so that was our, kind of our idea. And we started to riff on that and started to show show around uh, this one sheet that we had uh, showing our idea. We you know what 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 it is we want to do. We want to have we want to have surfers who play music, musicians who surf, uh-huh. musicians who make art, right. even surfers who make art. And um, and we we bought it around to a lot of people and there was a lot of folks who weren't ready. They were working on other festivals. Uh, you know, we kept trying to get it, get it going. And, uh, we ran into Tim Sweetwood who works for C3 and who started, um, what's C3? C3 is, uh, the three Charlies out of uh, Austin. They're, they're, um, festival organizers and oh, promoters. Okay. The three yeah. Charlies. The three Charlies. It is. It's Charles. It's Al. Charles. <laughs> Sounds like a Quentin Charlie Tarantino Jones. chapter. <laughs> Charlie's <laughs> angels. Yeah. Um, and Char and Charlie Walker. So, uh, anyway, he, um, he was the one guy that said to us, he was like, hey, man, I'll, I'll come down and check out the scene. Asbury Park. Let's see, you know? Yeah. And we go out and we stand on the boardwalk there and you see the convention hall, mm-hmm. the old architecture from the 20s. Um, we tell him about how at um, convention hall, really all the great bands pl- has, have played at convention hall, um, except for the Beatles and um, somebody else, Timmy, told me. but, But like... The Stones, Led Zeppelin played there instead of going to Woodstock. Huey the Lewis who. in the news. Huey Lewis. <laughs> Joseph Arthur has played there. Um, the Who were there, right? The Who, absolutely. The Doors, Janis Joplin, uh, I mean, all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, all the great bands. And um, so anyway, he stood there and he was looked around and he was like, wow, I can see it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having had now, like, uh, put my um, – myself down here in this gallery the transparent gallery which has been going um, on for how many years now uh, about three years yeah it's and incredible. Uh, i mean you've been along for the ride i you, love it yeah i mean i'm you so were, happy it's still going yeah i mean i remember calling you and just saying like hey we're having a little jam down here why don't you mm-hmm. come and hang and sure enough you know an hour or two later he rolled up yeah and we threw it down and i have to say uh as i was telling you uh yesterday when we were on the phone um you know how much the art that you make Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as the music that you make, was a big inspiration in the idea for the ga- the pop up gallery on site, which is that's getting awesome. the musicians yeah. uh, who make art to to come and represent. Well, so. that's cool. I'm glad I'm here this year. Yeah, because this is the second year. It's right? the second year, and you were on Arthur Buck last year. We tried to get <coughs> Arthur, you in there. Yeah, and uh, and then um, as this year was coming together, I saw that Mike was doing this thing, which which I know he was inspired by you as well. Yeah, McCree. Uh, when you at uh, Pearl Jam 20, mm-hmm. he saw you painting on stage. Paint, painting um, 
And, uh, and so I, I hit him up and, you know, I was like, Hey man, this is what we're doing. Yeah. I see you and Kate are doing this incredible, uh, uh, infinite color and sound thing. And uh, I said, what's up? You know, you want to come out? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, this is great. Well, he came yet when we got here yesterday, we walked up and down the beach and, and Mike's been getting into, I, I think it's funny with Springsteen. It's like, people are like, it's a love hate relationship or it's like they, they never got it. They never liked it. They, they heard born in the USA and they're of a certain age where they just like, I'm not into born in the USA, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever. And then, and then there's like a moment where there's like a transition where they like, they heard, yeah, they heard Nebraska and then they're like, Oh my God. And then they hear like the wild, the innocent, the East street shuffle. And it's such an adventurous record. And then they re listen to born in the USA and they're like, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Mike was, um, I think Mike had one of those epiphanies. And so for him to come here, he's never been to Asbury park. That's why Pearl jam didn't play the pony. They never came through, you know, blind melon who's playing uh, today. They all, uh, came through the Stone Pony. They did uh, the Trade Winds, uh, you know, places like that. But um, you know, they Rogers just never came through. Do the pod. So. Oh yeah, yeah, he's oh, going to do it. He's incredible. Yeah, he's a great. He's, he's a great, great conversation. I was trying to tell, tell Ehud he's going to be a good guest. He's, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he he's is. funny. That's good. Yeah. But um, so th- this is a second year, and it's uh, it feels like it's blown up. You know, the I was looking at the poster. I was like, "Damn, yeah, this is like <laughs> this is like Coachella is a- type of shit." No, but but even year uh, one, Cella. you got Brandy Carlisle. You managed to snag really big names yeah. right off the bat. You know what? Part of um, you know, thing Tim Sweetwood, who put on um, Shaky Knees, puts on Shaky Knees and Shaky Beats and Shaky Boots and all this, created a brand out of Atlanta and now develops festivals mm-hmm. for C three. Um, he's got relationships. You know, and I have relationships. Yeah. And, and Tim Donnelly has really, and, and H.M. Woolman, our other partner. We all have these relationships, and we all are in the music industry, and we kind of appreciate curating something interesting for this, you know, this area. Yeah. So we got, we got our new bands, you know, local bands like this year, Low Light and uh, and Brick and Mortar, and last year uh, we had Tangier's Blues Band, and we had um, uh, we had Nicole Atkins, we had. Um, uh, I'm spacing out, but, uh, but anyway, and th- but then we have like, and then we have new artists this year. We have like Marcus King, who's on the come up. We have Jade bird. When last year I had did the video for, uh, for Brandy Carlisle's, uh, the joke. Mm-hmm. And while we were doing it, we were putting together this lineup and I said, Hey, you know, we're doing this thing in Asbury. We'd love to have you. And she had not quite blown up. Like she was, I mean, she was right on the edge about to dive off mm-hmm. you know and and really she said yes and then by the time she showed she had just put out another great record and she was just like kind of crushing it and she just fits the demographic here so well yeah. uh and we just had a blast and she had me sit in on some harmonica which was awesome and um but then we got brandy carlisle we have um you know a legacy act you know uh we have a reggae act you know last year we had the whalers we have Steel Pulse. Excuse me. We have Seal Pulse. Seal Pulse this year, and then we have like Joan Jett, the B52s. We had Blondie last year. I'm psyched so like, about Joan Jett. I mean, you know. So when you say the demographic, um, what do you what what do you mean well, by that? Well, I think it's it's really our own sort of in our own mind demographic, but it's right. like it's like people of Asbury Park, of mm-hmm. the Jersey Shore, of the tri-state area. Philadelphia is an amazing music town. Yeah. You know, uh, Asbury Park has always been. You got New York City here, you got Atlantic City there, you know, connect you know, everything is sort of like in this little bubble. And our when I say, 
you know, our demographic, I mean even surfing right. and art people. You know? uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and music, people of, you know? of this area. Yeah, too. yeah. So yeah. we have, um, we think about families mm-hmm. um, who come in in the morning with their kids and stroll around. And you can come in and out of the festival. So you can, A, you can come in with the kids in the morning, go see something, show them show them the, the beach and, uh-huh. you know, stuff that they may not ever remember. But they can say that they were there and they saw Joan Jett. Hand, and, off, uh, a, hand off one of your passes so you can bring in another friend. <laughs> Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> we'll get you in, Joseph. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, they can bring the kids home to grandparents. Yeah. They can then come back. Uh, you can swap out your passes. Uh, my, my, Don't do my that. My partners will be that. so stoked to hear yeah, that. Um, and <laughs> snip, snip. And uh, and you can go go visit the other businesses too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's a win for everybody. Yeah. Right. Um. So, um. Yeah. So. What do you I mean, like? What do you, you know, like? We have we also th- consider the gay and lesbian community uh-huh. here, um, and we consider the sixty-year-old plus mm-hmm. people who like to come here and see. You know, they they grew up, you know, listening to Joan Jett, uh, the B fifty twos, whatever, and then and then of course we have Jersey people, you know, yeah. and, and great headliners, Lumineers. Yeah. You know, the guys are from Jersey. Right. <laughs> uh, great band, uh, and Dave Matthews band, and like. Just to have that in itself is that great anchor, and it allows us to do whatever we want below, you know, to experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I said, um, it's just it's just such a joy, and it's a joy to like turn on. You know, we're we're embedded in the music industry, right? You and I, we listen to new stuff all the time. We end up we're in New York City. We see the Black Pumas over here, and we see Marcus King over there, and we see Jade Bird. A lot of these people don't see those people, mm-hmm. right? So we get to turn people on to some great music. Yeah, and you know, they come away going like. Wow, like Jade Bird? Holy cow. I mean, if you see her live show, people are going to be talking about Jade Bird after this. I know they Mm -hmm. will. And certainly Marcus King. I mean, he's just, you know, he's all that. Right on. And then, you know, that infinite color and sound and, you know. Some wild stuff. Joseph Arthur, like (laughs) asses and elbows everywhere. Oh, yeah. see it. With me, it's asses and elbows (laughs) all the time. (laughs) That's what I said. That's why I said it. But so talk about... I. What I want to get at is mm-hmm. the, your sort of championship of this area, Asbury Park, and yeah. just like how that is a pa- seems to be a passion for you. And you know, like, wh- what do you think about that? How how could you speak on that? You know, like, you know, what's I mean, your motivation there? Or what 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 fills your soul about this place and mm-hmm. about presenting this place? And inter- in, you know, yeah. You know well, what I'm trying I'm, to get at yeah, yeah. I'm from the Jersey Shore, right? Right. I grew up here. Uh, as a teenager, uh, my wife and I would come here and go see bands at the Stone Pony. I was always hoping to see Bruce Springsteen, you know, uh-huh. but it never did. But we we saw like so many great shows there. We saw the Stray Cats there. We saw, I mean, Cindy Lauper back in the day. We saw um, uh, Warren Zevon and the Greg yeah. Allman Band, and just you know, on and on. And then all these other bands that like, you know, Southside Johnny and you know, like John Eddy and like bands like that, where like maybe Bruce would show up or something, you know. And of course, I was bringing my camera all the time, and and uh, and so um, so I grew up in this area and mm-hmm. was always coming here. And I love the shore. I'm always going to live near the ocean. Um, and of course, I'm a big music fan. And Asbury Park has this history of of music. Um, and, and I think wanting to, um, you know, 
create something like a legacy thing for myself and my partners, mm -hmm. uh, Tim Donnelly and HM and, and Tim, and just sort of, you know, we felt like there was an opportunity and it's funny how timing is always a thing and how you think you want to do it and, and it never happens. And then all of a sudden it happens. And for some reason you're like, the timing is perfect. You know, we couldn't have done this five years ago in Asbury. It just might've just been the wrong time. It wouldn't have get any teeth and it wouldn't have like got in, but like the infrastructure of Asbury, I star was here. Um, Madison this, this being here, yeah. I think is, oh, has yeah. led the way. And then yeah. the Asbury lanes reopening, right? Yeah. 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 You know, and, totally. And, 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 by, and, and the fact, as you say, is like per square footage or per square, Per square mile, mm -hmm. uh, apparently somebody's told me that this has as much, if not more, music venues than like Nashville or, you know, yeah, or, or, or Austin or whatever. It's like we have a, a music venue every couple of feet here. Yeah. It's incredible, and that's exciting. And this pop-up, uh, the Transparent Gallery, was like a, I mean, it really was happenstance. Like this room was empty, and they were going to use it for something else. Right. And whatever was supposed to go in here got delayed and they came to me. I ran into this woman um, and she, she, she was working for iStar and she said, um, hey, you know, they want to fill up that space. You want to do a, like a pop-up gallery? You've got a couple of months, you can throw it up. And uh, at the same time, Tina Karekis, who is the who runs the gallery here. Uh, best dressed woman ever. Best dressed woman in Asbury Park. Yeah, and, um, probably in New York City Probably too. in the Tri-State area. Yeah. Uh, and she was running a, a gallery, uh, uh, sort of like um, selling mid-century modern furniture and like art and whatnot on the boardwalk. And her lease yeah. came up because they were redoing the building. And I said, Tina, like, and I really wasn't really that interested in doing a gallery show because I've done so many, you know, doing gallery shows. Yeah. It's like a ton of work. And then Pain it's like, the what's the payoff? You mm -hmm. know, especially when you can sell stuff on Instagram. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's we know like, that. We know that, like, right? What's the point? How big's your store, Joseph? It's about the size of a. It's about the size of my phone. <laughs> so, and so anyway, um, it was a perfect storm. Tina was looking for a space. She bought her stuff here. Said, I, "I agree to do it." And they're they're great partners. I said, "I'll agree to do it." I want a backline. I would like to have you know, help me you know print up all this stuff, frame it. We wanted to do these. Um, uh, these these vinyls up there, and they, and they did they did partner us up with um, uh, Baron and Baron, which is a, a creative agency out of New York City, and um, and we all just you know kind of collaborated and we built this space. Baron up. and Baron is that related yeah. to the Red Baron? Uh, it is. It's uh, is, actually is that Snoopy his brother. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, Spike. Spike runs it. So I got this thing that keeps popping in my head: the uh, sort of um, celebration of uh, of an American ideal and. Uh, phrase is coming up when I'm like looking at that picture right behind you. Mm -hmm. is that, that's Neil Young, right? Yeah. In the car. Yeah. And I feel like Bruce has that celebration of this American ideal. And yeah. I feel like you embody that as well. You yeah. know? And, and um, I don't know, where do you think you, do you, do you know what I mean when I say yeah, that? I, I do. And in a way, at least the way I read it is like, you know what? I think everybody 
gets there obviously a different way you mm-hmm. know if you've if you've seen bruce on broadway or if you read his book or you know anything about him it's like he grew up and like had a contentious relationship with his, his father family, yeah. and it was tough and all that sort of stuff for me it was a bit of the opposite it's like my family was like very very uh, accepting of mm-hmm. everybody they were my dad was a house painter uh, my mom was a housewife they worked hard my dad worked really hard we never felt like we were f- for want of anything mm-hmm. and yet my dad was like working three jobs you know I never knew it I mean I, I saw it and mm-hmm. I knew he was working hard but um, you know my parents took in all the black sheep of our family who got kicked out of their house they would end up living at our house mm-hmm. I had three foster sisters you know and it was like the idea I didn't of, know that yeah that's the first I think I've heard that you had yeah, three foster sisters that's true I, I probably haven't that. said that yeah. yeah that's wild yep and uh, till this day, um, you know, one of them has passed away, but the <clears throat> two others keep in touch with my, my mom all the time. My dad passed away a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, they just, they were just, um, they were people, people. They mm-hmm. loved people. I always tell the story about my dad. It's like, you know, you need to go to a wedding or you're like at some event or something. And there's like this one really weird dude that everybody's kind of avoiding. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, guys. That's usually me. Or... It's usually you. So you and my dad would get along great because my dad would gravitate towards those people. Right. <laughs> He'd be like, he would like saddle up next to them. And the next thing you know, my dad's like, you know. That's the black sheep. He like was taking yeah. in the black sheep. Yeah. Like, yeah. He just wanted to hang out with the weirdos, you know. Right. <laughs> and just get a good story. He's like, why are you going to talk to some boring other character when you can get into the real stuff with some Yeah, somebody some who's like, yeah. You know, like a hero for the ones that are bullied. Sounds yeah, like. yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. Like, I, I mean, know. they look at they, you know, and my mom is like, um, you know, has worked at the local uh, soup kitchen uh, in town for thirty years. Uh-huh. Every you know, every week. Yeah, you know, she's there, um, and so I don't know. I just um, that American ideal of like, you know, you don't have. It, it's almost like the American dream isn't, you know, owning a jet. And a mansion, no. you know, like the American dream is like it's the radio on is, that car. Is exactly, it's yeah, right there. that's the American. The American ideal. dream is know, cruising like, through Nashville with Neil Young in an old Cadillac, even though he's a, <laughs> can- a even though he's a Canadian. Yeah, but come on, it's Neil Young, all right? It's Neil. He, he's <laughs> you know, he's, he's a world. He's uh, a world. Yeah. yeah, he might as well. Yeah. He is the American. He's a world ideal. citizen. Yeah, total citizen um, of the world. So, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so, yeah, because your work exudes—I don't know—a sort of uh, idealism, I would say, almost like uh, you know, I don't know, and a reality, well, but also uh, it's not like it's unreal, but it's also—I don't know—you're finding, I don't know. I think also, I think there's just honesty to my work. Like, right. I feel like I'm a I'm a documentary photographer, uh-huh. you know, and I did come up through art, and so I kind of love to combine art and the document, you know? Like, so sometimes yeah. I have a very, you know, like a document of somebody, but like another time I might have a plastic camera and shoot, you know, multiple exposure, weird stuff, you yeah. know? And it's like, and I love that kind of it. Sometimes I'll put someone's guitar in front of their face if they paint on it. Oh, right, and, we uh, did one like that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you and, can put. Uh, yeah, you yeah. put. Oh yeah, the amp or the guitar and the guitar. Exactly. Yeah, I was so. recently. You posted the Bruce Springsteen cover you shot for the Rising. Yeah, and it was. Well, interesting. there's a great example of an artful moment. Right, and it was interesting because I, I like saw that, and then I read your caption, and I was just like, 
oh holy shit that is the rise like i didn't i had to go google the rising i was like that's the cover because of the the font on that yeah. makes up a lot of the thing too like or, or somehow frames it differently yeah. but i didn't notice the uh the image of bruce of the blurriness yeah. when i first saw that cover until you reposted it with just the photo yeah you what, know it, it, how'd that photo happen or well, it was my first shoot with him, like, uh, or it wasn't. I had done when the E Street Band got back together in um, 1999. Um, they, I, I was, I had sent my book Discovery in mm -hmm. um, to Bruce and to his um, uh, art director at the time, and he saw it and told her, like, see if Danny wants to come down to Fort Monmouth and take some photos. So uh, I was like, I was like, oh my god are you kidding me and literally with tears in my eyes i drove down from new york city to fort monmouth like listening to springsteen like what were you listening the wind to? was blowing All the tears it. on i mean probably greetings from asbury park like i just that's that might know? be my favorite one man. yeah the i just, first just album, went there yeah. i fucking love that album i really it's, do yeah um yeah. and uh and you know it was such a great moment for me um yeah. but then um so then they we we sort of i think he liked my style of like just staying out of the way and documenting and we had done i got to do portraits of all the all the band the band members and stuff and then um funny enough like he was making the next record and and uh, this is after september 11th and i get a call from the management like hey we go go down bruce is finishing up this record at southern tracks with brendan o'brien mm -hmm. so go down and like get some photos and like they didn't even really say like they were going to give me the album. I don't remember being told anything, but like, just go down and get what you can. They probably didn't know. Yeah. Maybe we're probably going to see what they got. Right. So I go down there and I hang out for a couple of days and I just is like, I'm relentlessly, you know, capturing what I can and then very respectfully saying, Hey Bruce, if you got like a couple of minutes, like, could we do this? And could we, you know, go over here? And then we ended up like, um, booking an afternoon to go around Atlanta. And one of the guys that worked there took us to this, uh, rooftop of this building it was like an old building like 20s architecture almost like what's around here in asbury what neighborhood do you uh, remember no. i used to live in atlanta yeah shout no. out atlanta yeah um and uh and so and the guy who took us around was in a famous band from atlanta and i just can't remember his driving name. and crying no wasn't driving crime. Uh, Georgia Satellites? No. Oh, well. No, it was like more of an obscure sort of. It wasn't a famous band. It was an obscure. But it was Follow a, for now. <laughs> R.E.M.? I never heard eight. of it. No. Uh, so, so anyway, um, he took us up there. And then one of the things I was doing was like getting portraits and getting stuff that would work for publicity. And then I was just mm -hmm. trying to take some chances. So I like I put my camera on a tripod and I just asked him to move around a little bit. And I did like a long exposure on my camera, which allows the subject to blur right. as it's clicking the shutters, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, you know, it was one of a bunch that we took and, you know, we came back and like, and then, like I said, I saw the, I saw the image and I was like, I was like, wow, what a bold, you know, image like to choose. Like it, it, I just didn't think that was what he was going to choose. I know that's and, a, it is a wild choice. Yeah. Uh, like, and then, and then, like I said, uh, when you listen to the music and you listen to all the tunes on that record that are talking about people who lost loved ones and who are now ghosts right. and who are now like, you know, in their head or they're like, they've disappeared or, you know, empty sky. Like, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. And, um, and there's also a really dope, um, little book they made as a, uh, you know, limited edition, like, um, 
rising package that's really cool it's got hundreds of photos in it and i was like holy cow not only do i have the cover but like i have a whole book of photos of springsteen that they put out and the funny thing is is my wife isn't uh, you know maria isn't usually easily impressed and mm-hmm. and uh and and this is like you know i've been photographing for quite a while at that point yeah and uh she was like okay I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Bruce Springsteen you album cover. Uh, I was like, all right. She thanks, was like, honey. okay, I'm impressed. That's yeah. funny as hell. Um, but, you know, as, I've, my, as my relationship with Bruce has grown, you know, I t- tend to f- understand what he responds to well. And yeah. he does often respond to, like, a lot of the weird shit, like, uh, you know, double exposures and, like, plastic camera stuff. And I did all the stuff for Western Stars, except for the cover. Right. I did all the portraits and all the, like, you know, the landscape stuff. And the, they rolled it out with uh, um, these really cool photographs I took with, a like, a really cheap plastic camera of, uh. like, cactus and, you know... Uh, the vegetation in the desert, desert landscapes and double exposure of a horse against like this crazy mountain range and stuff. So that's wild. Cool. He, he chases that stuff and I appreciate it. And, and, you know, few people, uh, you know, except for maybe super fans know that he photographs and he takes really soulful photographs. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Does he post them? Not usually. Not usually. Not usually. But when I did um, this photo over here at Sandy, we went to Sandy Hook, um, uh-huh. New Jersey, on the shore. It's like a like the a, one where a, he's put, holding the guitar. No, the one where he's um, the sailor jacket. The, you know, he's got the peacoat the and he's oh, okay. like red sanding on the beach. Yeah. And uh, he, while I was photographing him, he like he grabbed his camera and like took a couple of photos of me and stuff. And and uh, and around Christmas time, I get a I get a package in the mail like from uh the springsteens and i like pop open the box and like there's a photograph of me that he had taken uh <laughs> and it's, it was cool that's like i got my leica and i got my wider lux and i'm like you know it's like a little moment there and uh i was like oh, all right wait till I, I i just told him i said listen when i make my record you <laughs> that's know the cover. I'm, I'm gonna need uh yeah. i'm gonna need some photos yeah yeah well, yeah, your your aesthetic, I guess, is like you know the word aesthetic is kind of mm-hmm. like I don't know a little, but aesthetic it's like and it's like what's that other one that I love? Uh, yeah, what's that word, Josh, that everybody uses for uh, like describing to, to it? sound smart? Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> your aesthetic. I'm not smarter. I could remember, but your aesthetic and hit like yeah. I don't know. He it's like it's perfect for him, in my opinion. Right. You know, like it's like there's a there's a match made in heaven. Yeah vibe going on there yeah you know? i think you know actually i mean i'm from right around the corner my yeah. dad grew up in the next town over and in fact right over here on fourth and kingsley i have a photo of my dad and bruce right in patty's hudson and they just they said oh max you got to drive this hudson because my dad had had one when he was a kid mm-hmm. and my dad was like oh, i don't want to drive the car. that photo's in the yeah. book right? It, yeah. oh, it's in the book yeah. yeah and so he he grabs uh bruce grabs the keys and puts them in my dad's hands he's like max you can't kill this car. We're going to drive this car. So they hopped in and uh, <clears throat> they rode around uh, Asbury Park for a little bit. Just Bruce and my dad. I didn't even get in the car at that point. They right. drove away. I was like, yo, wait. Right? Yeah. So uh, they're shooting the shit, rolling around Asbury Park. And um, and they were talking about uh, the carousel and how they both used to um, get the gold ring and they would keep it and give it to their girlfriends instead of like trading it in for like a stuffed bear. Mm-hmm. And um, they talked about where they shop for clothes. Everybody of that stature, you know, blue collar people shopped at the one place for school clothes. They both 
went to the same place. Right. And um, and then they come back, and they pull up here, and my dad goes, uh, man, this is great. I was driving around Asbury Park. Everybody was waving to me. <laughs> <laughs> was like, That's hysterical. Was your dad phased by him or not at all? My dad, had, and I learned this from him also, you know, I, look, you're riding around with Bruce Springsteen. I'm sure there's a little bit, but... My dad could. My dad always said, I, I, I'm fine talking to the garbage man, and I, I'd yeah. be fine talking to the president. Hero of maybe, the outcast. Maybe not this president, but yeah. not a president. Yeah. Oh, well, you never know. <laughs> you I know. mean, your dad likes the outcast. That's true. This and my dad is, is from Jersey and probably I mean, went to the Trump I, casinos I, back in the day. I bet he could get along with Trump. Yeah, he'd get along with anybody, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about Annie Leibovitz, like when mm. you kind of like, uh, I don't know if you feel like talking about that at all. Sure. Like, because uh, that was kind of gave you your start, right? Like uh, being her assistant. Um, uh, working with Annie was, um, was amazing. It was, you know, how before you were, you know, I mean, maybe before you made a record, you mm -hmm. know, and you heard all your favorite records and you were like, this is, I mean, this is magic. Right. You know, you listen to Lou Reed and you're like, this is it's magic is right. what it is, right? I looked at her photographs and thought it it's was otherworldly, you know? Uh, and so to get to work with her was such an eye-opener to me. It was like, because it wasn't magic. It was hard work. It was certainly talent and an ability to direct people and someone who was obsessed with her craft, yeah. you know? And I saw it and I was like, you know, I wanted to be Annie Leibovitz and I, and I finally realized that will never be Annie Leibovitz and I... It can only be myself, and I can only take... Danny Clinch is pretty cool, too, though, bro. It's working for me. It's, work it's working it's for me. Out, <laughs> what years are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about, like, I think 87, 88. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Ocean County College in New Jersey, um, probably 83, 84. I graduated in 82 from high school. Mm -hmm. 83, 84. 85, 86, I went to um, New England School of Photography in Boston. Mm -hmm. A lot of good music in Boston. Del Fuego's O Positive. Rick Berlin, the movie. Buffalo Tom, are they Boston? Buffalo Tom's yeah. Boston, yeah. Um, and then so then 87-ish, 87, 88, I worked for like a year um, with Annie, and it was it was incredible. I mean, I worked on some really great stuff, including the the um, Tunnel of Love record with Springsteen. Interesting. Yeah. So In Sandy Hook, we took some photos, and in fact, he was wearing his bolo tie and his like little pleated pants and his cowboy boots and like his sleeves rolled up in a white shirt. And then the uh, stylist was like, um, Oh shit. I, I need like a, a, we need a good belt. Who's got a belt. Anybody got a cowboy belt. And Danny, I like, Clinch, Danny Clinch got a cowboy belt. <laughs> yeah. And I pulled that thing out and I gave it to him. And after three days of shooting every which way sideways, the album cover is Bruce standing in front of the car wearing my no cowboy way. belt. Bro, that's like foreshadowing. That's like manifestation. <laughs> yeah, like if you think about like yeah. symbolically, like you're holding up his pants. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's that is wild. the best analogy that anyone has ever had about that story. Uh, I'll tell that's you, hilarious. it's because if you interpret, like sometimes I like to interpret real life like if it was a dream, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how would you interpret the dream? I, I Like, if you're sitting at your yeah. shrink's office and you're saying, I had this dream, I gave Bruce my belt, you know, what does it mean, <laughs> you know? Like, because then look oh, what happened man. in the end, you know? Yeah, in the yeah end, my pants were falling down. In the I end, you've given him... Had to chase him. You, you know, you've given him quite a lot. I mean, and obviously, and, vice versa. Oh, yeah, that goes, sure. you know, kind of goes I mean, without so, saying. So grateful. Yeah. But the other way, too, for sure, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
So yeah. what did you learn from Annie though specifically? Anything specific that you remember? Or just I, I do. General? I remember really the things that I um, that I learned from her were really um i think directing how to direct people but not over direct them uh-huh. it's like giving creating like a, a an atmosphere of comfort and letting people feel like they trust you yeah that's that's really what i learned and then i then i worked for i worked for steven mizell who's a great fashion photographer okay um and i worked for mary ellen mark who's a legendary documentary photographer master right. photographer and and uh and I learned something each from them, like, you know, Steven Mizell, even though he did a lot of studio work and his his studio thing was like a, a like copped from Richard Avedon, which we all have done. Um, but masterfully, you know, Steven Mizell. And but when he wasn't shooting in the studio, he shot in like really interesting light. He could see natural light really well. And that's what I I really love shooting in natural light. I like moving fast. I don't like have people waiting around i like to be spontaneous you know and so for me like to see um him shooting like on a rooftop when it was almost dark was like unheard of to me i was like are you kidding me and he'd be like shooting these long shutter speeds and like a little motion would happen or happy accidents and stuff and that's what i learned from him that i that that i really i really loved and i also worked with a guy named timothy white who's there's a writer named timothy white it's not him it's a photographer does a lot of celebrity and music uh portraiture and um and really has been you know created a lot of, of classic images but as a friend as a mentor, like he was one of those people who were like inviting me to meetings with art directors and stylists and like including me in everything and never had that thing of like, Oh no, I don't want you in this room. This mm-hmm. is my person. Wasn't you know, it was like, no, he was so cool. And to this day we still, uh, you know, hang out and he still, I still uh, call on him for advice and whatnot. So, yeah. What's the difference between like a, you know, cause we live in this era of everybody's a photographer now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's even like filters to make things look cool and shit like that. Yeah. So what's the difference between like a good photo or a decent photo and something that's like other next level, otherworldly? What like something that what do you um, think? What what makes something great to you? I mean, to me it's all about the moment. If I had to sacrifice everything, you know, the light or composition or exposure, if it's a great moment, I feel like that's that's where where it lives now and and and, you know anybody can capture one you know if you're right yeah uh and god bless them for it you know but if you can if you can consistently have a style and have a vision like that's when it really you understand it and when you can look at someone's work and say like i think that's a joseph arthur painting i know it. i can see it right there you know is it a danny clinch photo is it a nanny photo yeah um you know, the, that's where it really stands out. And, and, I, and I think that the thing about Instagram, you know, I often say is that as, a, as an artist and a photographer and someone who sees light everywhere and composition and people and photos are constantly going on in my head, I'm so blessed to walk down the street, whether it's Asbury Park or New York City or I'm in Berlin or wherever I'm at in my backyard and I see this beautiful light coming through and like, you know, or just like a shadow or a great moment, you know, and, and I, and I always felt like I felt bad for people who who didn't don't feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Instagram has allowed people to to actually probably people who never would have thought they were photographers or never thought that they wanted to see so much, mm-hmm. um, be able to uh, to see, 
right. you know, and see in a different way. Yeah. So, you know, it's also about for me and what I do with musicians, it's about trust and access. So like, yeah. you know, yeah, somebody can be back there in there and, and get a great shot because they're backstage with whoever musician, but like, you know, the, the real, gold is you know when you have someone with the right camera and the right eye and the right temperament and trust of the artist yeah. to be back there why you know bruce springsteen's preparing to go on stage at, uh, and you know on broadway or you know uh you know patty smith is shopping for records and has the coltrane record or you know being back with pearl jam or whatever it is you know how did you get involved in in taking all these legendary hip-hop shots um you know uh I was I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that uh, at the time, photographers like the ones we're talking about, Annie Leibovitz and, you know, the like of, you know, they weren't, it, you know, it was, I think people thought it was a fad. Hip-hop? Uh, yeah. And so there, you know, it's the early 90s, right. late 80s, early 90s. And, um, you know, I had gotten an assignment from Spin Magazine to photograph uh, third base. Okay. And it went really well. And I took those images to Def Jam. Right. And said, hey, uh, you know, I got these photos and and uh, they weren't even seeing people. You had to drop your portfolio off and then they would. And I was like, no, no, no. I, I, have, I have these photos of third base. I want to show them. Mm -hmm. So I went in and the two guys there was um, Steve Carr and um, and Say Adams. Right. And those say Adams is like a legendary graffiti artist. And now he's just a legendary artist. Yeah. I met him at, at one of your shows. He's yeah. Cool. I follow him on uh, in the Insta. He's super cool. He's interesting. He's a great guy. Anyway, like we Shout hit it off. Say Adams. say Adams. We hit it off and connected. And like they were like, you know, we were the same age and they were just starting up. They were kind of excited. They were yeah. like, they got this. They were the drawing board. They were just like got this dropped in their lap that they were going to design album covers. And, um, and so, um, yeah, they said, well, we like your work. And, you know, they started giving me these little projects, you know, with like Public Enemy and then LL Cool J and like, um, you know, uh, and, and MC Search um, came to me around that time. From third base. From third base. Yeah. MC Search came to me from third base and, and um, he was like, I have this artist I want you to listen to and I think your style is just perfect for him um his name is nasty nas mm -hmm. and he like gave me the tape which i wish i still had wow and uh, it was a cassette and uh -huh. um and i just went in the dark room and cranked it up and i was like wow this is really a cinematic record and uh and he you know i was like who is this guy and he goes well let's do this gig right so we went out to queensbridge and uh i just shot like a madman everything around and it was like um it was so cool and and at that time i think really a lot of the artists wanted to represent where they were from. You know, it wasn't, there was a little bling going on, but it wasn't, it was about like, I'm from Queensbridge. Yeah. You know, I'm from Compton. I'm from, you know, Red Hook and whatnot. And so you my do style. That with this place. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't connect that, but it's yeah. the same thing. Actually. Yeah. In a way. And, uh, and so like I was, I just ended up getting all these great gigs, you know? Um, and it was, it was, it was just really exciting. And then, and then I met, um, Shelby Mead, who was a publicist for Electra records at the time. And she had Pete Rock and CL smooth. And she kept telling her boss, like, you should hire this guy. He's, he's 
he's got it. You know, we could use him. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so I stepped in there and I was, and I started working with the beastie boys. And then like, I really took, I took that work also. And then I, sh- then I, I was, my portfolio at the time was, was hip hop, a lot of hip hop. Right. And then I took it to people like blind melon and Perry Farrell and, you know, bands like that and uh, Smashing Pumpkins and stuff at the time. And they saw my work and they were all, of course, loved hip hop. Right. And so they were like, oh man, this is cool. Plus that's like, talk about credibility. Yeah. I mean, that's like. At that point, at yeah. At that point, that's. And now, to be honest, yeah, the, now, the, the Tupac yeah, the photo. Tupac photo. Like I really. You gotta I, flash these up. When yeah, we, I will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it. Can you yeah. tell yeah, the story the Tupac, behind that? Yeah. You know, I was. You know, it was actually one of my very first assignments for Rolling Stone, yeah. and it was really one of the first hip hop stories. I think yeah. I, I'm gonna have to check that. I wonder if it is one of the first hip hop stories for Rolling Stone. It was gonna be a quarter page, and in my head, I was shooting the cover. Right. I mean, I was shooting the cover of Rolling Stone. That's right there. Like that, right there, is important. <laughs> what you just said, because yeah. if you put that kind of yeah. energy into something, then it becomes what that photo became. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's like. Sadly, he passed away, and they did use my photo on the cover. Wow. But however, uh, I shot it because in my mind, I was like, if this record is epic and they want it by the time it runs, you know, you could put him on the cover. It would be amazing, right? But it ended up running just a quarter, mm-hmm. a quarter page in the magazine. Um, but they put it, when, when he passed away, they, they put it on the cover. And um, it was cool. You know, he showed up, and honestly, he's like, I really wish, and I'm, I love the photos I, I took of him. I really do. But man, I just didn't shoot as much as I normally shoot. Like I'm a madman. When I get someone like that in my, my studio, I just try and milk it for all I can. Right. And I just remember being like, I got it. This is a good photos. And I was nervous. It was rolling. So I had a certain amount of time with them and I was like, you know, and so, um, you know, but, but it's funny people, um, I, I can set people up sometimes with the story. And say so like, and then this is my photo. And then I like, and then they go like, they, what? They're like, you uh, shot that photo? <laughs> yeah, they don't know that you shot that one. Yeah, Gary Clark Jr. was like, oh my God, I had this poster in my wall when right. I was a kid. Like, are you, no, you didn't take this photo. Come on. I'm like, yeah. No, it or, is a or, crazy yeah. photo like that though. You're like, wait, you took, even yeah. just now, I know you took that photo. <laughs> even just now. It, I just saw it in, in the hallway, and I was yeah. like, "Damn!" <laughs> it, it actually it, it takes on a life of its own. It almost yeah. feels like I, I'm like, I, it's just it is, you know that you know I, I think about that great photo of like of Jimi Hendrix in the um like the Sergeant Pepper outfit with right. the hat, and it's just yeah. like, and like I look at that photo, and I'm like, did somebody actually take that photo? Right? Did somebody like <laughs> bring Jimi Hendrix in a studio, and he stood there, and the guy focused the camera and clicked the, you know, it's like yeah. wow. Wow. So you who know. instructed Tupac? Did you move him um, around? Or how you did know, that I, I, uh, I ended up um, I ended up doing these portraits at the time. I was doing these portraits with a 4x5 camera. Big, large format thing over your head. And mm-hmm. it's very deliberate. And I had done so much documenting and quick and snap and like spontaneous. <clears throat> I wanted to try to do something a little more controlled. And... I started doing these portraits, and I have a whole series of them from back then. Cypress Hill, Nas, ODB. Like, Why'd you want more more controlled, or do you just like the look I of I wanted this? to change it up and do you a little something different. change it up, yeah. And, uh, and I really got into it. And um, very simple, all about the person. And, uh, and so when he came in, he was really professional. 
Like he showed up, he was cool. They were pretty much on time. He showed up with one guy when most of the hip hop had a crew mm-hmm. and it was a party. Yeah. They'd come into the studio and they would just take it over, which was also fun. Right. You know? But um but this was just like he showed up like real pro. Like he I think he understood how important it was for his culture and his music and himself you know as an as an actor you know and all that and he just was like really present in in the shoot and at one point he in fact said like you know i was shooting him with this thug life jacket it was really cool and uh and he was like um hey man uh i got some other stuff how about i how about i swap this out and i was like yeah cool and he just like then he just took off his jacket he took his shirt off and i was like oh whoa 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 wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh whoa whoa hold my beer hold my camera and uh and i was like wow can we get some of the tattoos and right. he was like yeah man sure <laughs> And, and like, your perfect so physique. And you're, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it looks like a painting. Yeah, honestly. it's crazy. And the lighting is scars and yeah. It's, oh yeah, yeah. And all the storytelling of his whole life is right on his y- chest. Y- yeah. So that was and a so, happy accident. Yeah. I mean, yeah, off, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you find your opportunities where they pop up, and you get them. You know, you go for it. And um, the the did you uh, talk to him much? Tupac did you get any kind of uh insight from him or anything um you know the the insight that I got from him that I that I remember uh again was his professionalism and uh and and at the time I was doing a Polaroid book which I don't do any longer and I I do regret it and maybe I'll pick it up again McCready's gonna inspire you yeah he's a Polaroid he's a Polaroid maniac but I do the pull and peel ones you know Mm -hmm. and then I would take a Polaroid and I would put it in this little book like one of those little you know drawing books the little square ones Uh Polaroid on the side and I'd write who it was and then I would hand it to him after the shoot and I'd say hey would you mind you know just signing this for me yeah and and some people would draw pictures and like tony bennett drew my picture on there once Mm -hmm. perfect it was awesome uh tom york made some cool drawings and and tupac grabbed the thing and he wrote on there if a photographer if a photograph is worth a thousand words photographers are worth a million wow and then signed it that's sweet and i was like that's a nice thing man Yeah. yeah yeah and um and Nas, you you ultimately got his album cover on that one, didn't you? Oh yeah, I did. I did that one. Um, of course, the photograph of him was taken by his mom or dad, probably mm-hmm. um, the child photo. But um, that whole yeah, that whole landscape, and then all the pictures inside are mine. All the stuff in the neighborhood, and also for it was written. They kind of did the same thing. They right. did a portrait I had taken of him. And they put it over as an older as a you know as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, and then. You know, I did all that stuff as well. I did uh, Street Disciples as well, and then we did some stuff. One uh, semi recently, uh, I flew out to um, semi recently. I flew out to London to uh, photograph him for like a Hennessy thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and he and he was like, "Yo, who'd have thought you and I would be at the O2, hanging out, right. shooting a billboard for Times Square for right. a Hennessy <laughs> thing." You know? Yeah, because he like came into a lot of money recently too. Like he made a business move or something. Yeah, yeah, he did that. Made, made yeah, he's smart. He's smart and cool, and you know, he's yeah. been patient. You know, it's like, you know, not everybody is like, 
you know, super business person like Jay-Z or like right. somebody like that, you know, and it's like, and you know, you, you, you're young and you think you're invincible and you think that the money's going to keep pouring in. And, and I'm not saying it didn't for him, but I think that like, right. you know, some people, some, are, yeah, some people were like, you know, and then there's like, you know, we weddings. Um, I mean, then there's marriages that fail and you're like, got this responsibility and you got kids and you're like in that middle of like, wow. And then all of a sudden you like, you come out and you're like, shoo. And then you like take advantage of your opportunities and make some smart moves as an adult. And he's done that. And, you know, he's, he's always been super cool to me and super modest. And like there was, it's the 25th year of Illmatic uh, is, mm -hmm. is right now. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I went to one of the events surrounding it and like, he literally like, you know, put his arm around me and was like, yo man, this is our night. It's not just mine. So, you know, you're sharing in it and stuff like that was, that was pretty cool. That's sweet. I gotta say that was very, very important to me uh you know that he honored that and stuff yeah. so um i'm gonna have to look at my uh i'm gonna probably have to start to roll here thanks for doing this yeah. though danny yeah, and squeezing yeah. us what, what, what should we how should we wrap this thing up i don't know i want i was wanting to talk about the beastie boys and johnny cash i couldn't like, i'll tell you a johnny cash story okay and uh and then i'll tie it into asbury park and then and then i'll, we'll I'll wrap it yeah i um have been a huge Johnny Cash fan. My mom and my dad love Johnny Cash and Elvis and all those cats. And um, But my mom's best friend, Linda, my mom's name is Linda, but her friend's name was Linda. The two Lindas love Johnny Cash. And the, the little Linda, who was my mom's friend, was like, couldn't even say his name without getting all trembly. She right. just loved Johnny Cash and everything about him. So when he wasn't really happening... In the 80s, I would bring him to the Ritz in New York City or maybe Count Basie or like, you know, we'd go see Johnny Cash. And, you know, you could walk into the Ritz and you just walk right to the front because there was hardly anybody there, mm. sadly, right? And Johnny Cash and the Carter family, I mean, just a handful of people like singing to us, right? Why so, was that? Just, he would I mean, go you know, everybody, divots, yeah. yeah, and you know, drugs and, and, yeah. you know, and rec changes in the industry and mm -hmm. disco and like, you know, who's Johnny Cash, who cares, you know? Right. But we loved it, right? So we'd go there and, and I recall him, you know, singing right to my mom's friend and her just like melting into a puddle. How many people and, were there? You know, I, I mean, probably like 400 or something at the right. Ritz, like yeah. half, half, half of, maybe right. and um and so you know we always loved johnny cash and, and and i was working for this magazine acoustic guitar magazine and i became friends with the uh, art director and whatnot and and he was like i got johnny cash you know i'm gonna shoot for a cover and i was like dude hook me up so i go and i do this session with him and uh and he was very cool um i mean he was really cool and we did all these portraits of him with his takamini the black one mm -hmm. and you know did all these photos it was for the acoustic guitar magazine and, and i had my four by five camera and mm -hmm. i took a picture of him at one point and i i was so nervous that i didn't pull up the dark slide so when i pulled the polaroid it was black uh, and i and i was trying to black. think of, i was trying to think <laughs> of something to like have in common with johnny cash and all i could think of was annie Leibovitz. right you know so i was like yeah you know i worked for annie you know and stuff and he was like oh cool you know like he was just he was a real gentleman right. and i didn't even have to do that i could have just been myself and it would have been great you know right. uh and i finally loosened up but i was real nervous and i mentioned annie or whatever and i was like and then i took this polaroid and i, pe I peeled it and, and i was like oh 
I'm sorry. I'm going to have to take this again. I forgot to pull the dark side. And he goes, okay, Mr. Annie Leibovitz. You know, oh, like, he totally like gave me a fucking elbow, you know? Right, which and, probably loosened everything yeah, up. Yeah, and I was like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay so uh, that was crazy. So I was like, okay. That's and, um, and so and I, I took that, I took the photos and I did all these portraits. But afterwards I said, can I just hang out while you're, you know, going to the stage and just, you know, document? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did, and that's when I took that photo of him in the hallway, mm-hmm. and he was like just sitting there, ready to go on, like yeah, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the man in black, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so I t- took that photo. That became my favorite, even though I have tons of other portraits I've never even really put out that are really awesome. I've come into them, you know. But anyway, so uh, I send that photo to Rick Rubin when Rick resurrected Johnny's career, and I was right. like, thank you so much. I love Johnny Cash. He means a lot to me and my family. I want you to have this photo. And I had gotten to know Rick through the Beastie Boys. And and so he was you know, grateful that I sent it. When he was doing the second record, Solitary Man, everybody that came through the studio would say, man, if we're calling this Solitary Man, like, be this has got to be the photo. Right. And so they end up using it for the for the fo- for the for the packaging. Yeah. And uh, and and it was amazing. And so um so fast forward to Asbury Park, right? And I find out that the Berkeley Carteret was, at a time, was, um, you know, you could fact check this, I don't know, but it's like it was co-owned by Johnny Cash and this other guy. Mm. And um, and they were partners on it. And Johnny- and what would, is that, the Berkeley? What the is Berkeley it? Carteret Hotel. Oh, it's a hotel. It's, yeah, it's right there. Okay, I see. And he, when, in the 80s, when he was, you know, still doing having drug issues and mm. stuff, he would come here to dry out. And he would come and he would hang. The Johnny Cash suite is in- the, Upper, is the upper right suite that looks over the ocean and looks over Asbury Park right over wow, here. I didn't know that. And um, he people would people would see him wandering around Asbury Park in the early mornings when he would come out and take a walk and just try to like try cl- out. clear his head and clear stuff. Out. And so um, so now now we have you know this Johnny Cash connection. Yeah. Right here in Asbury Park. That's fa- that's fascinating. Yeah, they, it's all connected. Is yeah. that room called the Johnny Cash Suite? It still? is. Yeah. So if you're addicted to something and you want to come to Asbury Park, you know, stay. book your stay your stay there. Stay in the Johnny Cash Suite. Yeah, man. that's got to have some. Get mojo. your head right. It's got to have some mojo. <laughs> well, listen, Danny, thanks for squeezing us in. Yeah, yeah really a pleasure know. to uh, hear you, your stories. I appreciate it. And, and uh, I can't believe I'm about to walk into. Uh, Second year of C here now. Yeah, any minute now. Congratulations on Thank it. you. And um, where can people find you? Uh, you know, I'll be at the Transparent Clinch Gallery there, the pop up yeah. there. Um, you know, Danny Bone sixty four is my Instagram. Yeah. Transparent Gallery Instagram mm-hmm. uh, and Facebook. Um, Tangiers Blues Band. That's where you can find me. Uh, and just a big shout out to my partners here, Tim Donnelly, uh, H M Woolman, and Tim Sweetwood. And uh, and all the artists that are coming out, I'm super excited. Uh, and um, I don't know, you and I will catch up another time. We'll do a part we two have a lot more. Know. We have a lot more. Yeah, to talk no, about. we'll definitely do part two. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, brother. Nice. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. 
We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. 